Now, that brings us to the gospel according to Mark. I wonder if you've ever wondered what the word Christian means. You know, we use that word often, right? We, we call ourselves Christian. We say this is a Christian church. We talk about Christian music. We, we talk about Christian books or Christian bookstores. And, and we use the word all the time. Do you know what Christian means? I had uh, one of the Vacation Bible School boys uh, ask me a question this week, and, and they encouraged uh, all the kids to ask questions of their leaders and of the ministers and pastors here at the church. And so I got a lot of questions, and one of them, uh, one young boy came and asked why God is not a Christian. <laughs> and that's a hard question to answer. Uh, so I don't really know all the background. He couldn't explain it. But I imagine somebody rightly told him uh, that God the Father is not a Christian. Somebody who understands, understood what the word means, but this little boy just struggled with that. God needs to get saved. If he's not a Christian, he should be. What's wrong with God? So what does the word mean, the word Christian? Well, it's only used, this may surprise you, three times in the Bible, three times in the New Testament. Uh, it's used twice in the book of Acts, once in the book of First Peter. Uh, it was used first uh, of people in the city of Antioch, and it was meant to be a der derisive word, derisive word. Uh, they, were, uh, they were criticizing these people, and they called them Christians, which literally meant little Christs. Y'all are just going around and acting like Jesus. They accused them of being Christ imitators. And while they meant it as an insult, it so fit what the Bible says that we should be and what we should do that the critical name that those people were called has stuck. And today we uh, call ourselves Christian with pride. We are little Christ imitators of Christ. And the Bible commands us to do that, right? First Corinthians 11, 1, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Ephesians 5, 1 says, be imitators of God. We are to be Christians, Christ imitators. And so if we're going to imitate Christ, it's important that we know who he is. It's important for us to know what he does and what he did. And, and it's important for us to know his attitude. It's important for us to know as much as we can possibly know about him. If we're going to be imitators of Christ, if we're going to be Christians, then we need to know something of Christ. And so we've, we've taken the summer this year and we've said we're going to walk through the gospel according to Mark and we're just going to see how much we can learn about Jesus. I want us to stand amazed at how wonderful Jesus is, but I also want us to learn some things about his attitude and his actions. I want us to see his passions and his commitments. I want us to be able to better imitate Christ because we better know who he is. And so two weeks ago, we started uh, at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, and we learned that Jesus is the center. Jesus is primary. Jesus should be the focus. Uh, we looked at what John the Baptist said in John 3.30 when he said, Jesus must increase and I must decrease. The focus of life should be on Christ. And then last week, we, we talked about the fact that Jesus is God that Jesus is God and that uh, the Father is well pleased with the Son. Today, we're going to continue in Mark chapter 1 
And we're going to be reminded that Jesus prays. Jesus prays. Now, you knew that Jesus prayed, but if you stop and think about that fact, it really, there's an element of it that is surprising, right? Does it surprise you at least a little bit that Jesus prays? I suppose in one sense it's not surprising because uh, Jesus is close to his father, Jesus the son, God the father, and, and Jesus is naturally going to have conversation and, and be in relationship with God the father. And so in that sense, the, prayer, the praying of Jesus will not seem unusual. But in another sense, it does. Because when we pray, we often pray because what? We need something. God, I need something. I'm praying because I need something. I want something. I, I need some wisdom. I need some advice. I need some direction. I need some power. I need some strength. I need something. Well, Jesus doesn't need anything. See, prayer for Jesus is not because he didn't know something he needed to know. It wasn't because there was some lack of wisdom that Jesus needed to repair. It wasn't because Jesus didn't have enough power. No, when Jesus prayed, it was for a very different reason. And so it may strike us as odd that Jesus would pray. But he did. So I want us to read of one account of his praying in Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 32. It says, when evening came, after the sun had set, they brought to him, brought to Jesus, all those who were sick, and those who were demon-possessed. So Jesus is receiving people. He's doing it at sunset. That might seem odd, uh, but the Jewish day started at sunset. The day ended when the sun went down. That was the end of the day. And so what we would call early evening, uh, that would be the beginning of the next day. And so this was the day that followed the Sabbath. On Sabbath, they would not have traveled. Nobody could have gone to see Jesus on the Sabbath. But when the sun set and people knew Jesus was in town, they raced to Jesus. They bring their needs to Jesus. And there were a ton of people that went. Look what it says in verse 33. The whole town was assembled at the door. And so everybody went to see Jesus. Verse 34, he healed many who were sick with various diseases and drove out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And so Jesus worked hard. He was listening to their stories. He was ministering to their needs. He was healing some physically. He was fighting spiritual warfare. He cast out demons. There was some dispute he have, had with these deacon, demons who needed to speak, wanted to speak his name. And so Jesus is ministering to the people. Then verse 35, very early in the morning, and so this ministry goes late into the night. Probably there was an opportunity to sleep after he had ministered to these people for hours and hours. And so he goes to sleep, but he wakes up early in the morning, it says in verse 35, while it was still dark. So this is maybe three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. We don't know. While it was still dark, he got up, went out and made his way to a deserted place. And there he was praying. That's important. He got alone, he got up early, and he went to pray. It's interesting, verse 36, Simon and his companions searched for him. And when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Like, Jesus, where have you been? We've got important things to do. 
Well, there's a lesson right there, right? What is the most important thing to do? Prayer. And so Jesus knew that they were looking for him. Jesus knew that they had an agenda. Jesus knew that there were tasks. Jesus knew that people were asking questions. Jesus knew people wanted to meet with him. But Jesus knew the best way he could spend his time was to spend it in prayer. And so Jesus prays. Jesus prays. Now, I I want you to notice, I, I want us to go through the prayer of Jesus And the fact that Jesus prayed, and I want us to learn just some very simple lessons about that today. But the first thing I want you to see is the difference between Jesus praying and you and I praying. So most often when I pray, when we pray, we see prayer as a tool, a tool. Just like a hammer is a tool to drive a nail through a, a piece of wood or, or a screwdriver would be a tool to, 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 to turn a screw into a piece of wood or into a piece of metal or whatever we're fastening together. And so we, we have tools. Tools are things that we use to accomplish something else. And so we often see prayer as a tool, as something we use to accomplish something else. So I remember... Uh, after 9-11, and I'm sure the same thing uh, that I'm thinking of is, uh, was true here in Nacogdoches. I remember, though, after 9-11, people were so fearful for our safety, for, so fearful for our country, that people were gathering everywhere for prayer, right? I imagine there were prayer services here, and there were probably prayer services all over this county, and, and everybody was gathering to pray. Why, why were we praying? That's probably the most praying that America has done in the last 50 years. Why were we praying? Because we needed something. We needed God to intervene and give us safety and protect us from from those who who wanted to bring harm. We prayed because we needed something. Uh, I, I know when somebody's diagnosed with a terminal disease, what's one of the first things we do? We pray. And we pray, why? Because it's a tool. We need God to do something. We pray before elections that God would give us the right leaders. Uh, We prayed before our We Love Our Church offering, didn't we? We prayed that God would just open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing upon us, and he did. We pray when we need something. This last week, uh, my, um, here's my wife, usually sitting over here, that confuses me. Um, uh, This last week, our air conditioner went out. Uh, We live in Texas, you wanna pray, let your air conditioner go out, right? And so we called the, uh, the repair person and then we called on God because we know those, those evil air conditioner repair people like money. They like lots of money. And we thought this could cost a fortune. And, and we prayed that God would, would come through for us. And, and he did. He did. Um, we pray because we, we need something. We pray when we need uh, wisdom or peace. Uh, we pray about who we're going to marry. We pray about whether or not we should buy a house. We uh, we, we pray about whether or not we should take a certain job. And there's nothing wrong with any of that, by the way. Uh, prayer is presented to us in Scripture as a tool. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Because it says the prayer of a righteous person has powerful effects that prayer is a tool. But when you look at the prayers of Jesus you're going to see that it is a completely different idea. So let's learn three truths about prayer 
that we can learn right here in Mark chapter 1. This is a very simple message. You're not going to hear anything profound. But three simple truths that we can learn about prayer from Jesus' act of praying. Number one, prayer is important to God. Uh, We know it because Jesus did it, right? He pulls away from the crowd. He gets up early in the morning. He sets his uh, alarm clock. He gets his cell phone to wake him up, however it worked. And, and he got up early and he prayed, prayer is important to God. We see, if we read the whole gospel of Mark, that on three different occasions, Jesus gets up early and prays, or he prays all night long. It's the implication from, from all of the gospels that Jesus did this very often. He spent many, many hours in prayer. He prayed with the disciples. He prayed for the disciples. He preached on prayer. He taught them how to pray. He modeled prayer. Prayer is important to God. That's the first thing that strikes me when I read about Jesus getting up early in the morning and going to pray for great lengths of time. Now, now that Jesus has died on the cross and risen from the grave and ascended into heaven, do you know what Jesus does today? He still prays. Listen to this, Hebrews 7, 25. Therefore, he, Jesus, is able to save completely those to come to God through him since he always lives to intercede, that means to pray, for them. So Jesus was committed to prayer when he was on earth, but now that Jesus is in heaven at the right hand of the Father, what's he doing? He's still praying. And the Bible also says that prayer is important to God. So, so let me show you, show this to you. I think this is interesting. First of all, prayer is a delight to God. Proverbs 15, 8. The sacrifice of the wicked is detestable to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The Bible says that when we pray, God's delighted. Wouldn't it be amazing if you could delight the Father in heaven? The Bible says you can. When you pray, God is delighted. And then... Another reference to the same thing. Uh, This is interesting. I don't know exactly what this means, but I I love this verse. In Revelation 5, 8, the Bible says that prayer is so important to God that he keeps it in bowls. Listen to this. When he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. And each one had a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So we see prayer is important to Jesus. Prayer is important to God. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 12, 23, that if we don't pray, that that is sin. And then we see the importance of prayer to God just in the fact that we have, have been given a way to pray. We take that for granted, but just think about it a moment. The fact that we can come boldly before the throne of grace, the fact that we can approach God and bring him our concerns, that's amazing. That's amazing. If I have concerns for the president of the United States, I can't share those. I can't call him up on the phone. I can't send him an email. I can't just drop by and see him one day. I don't have access to the president. 
I was trying to rent a car yesterday. And after I sat there for over an hour trying to rent a car, I really wanted to call the president of the car company. Okay. And, and I was sitting there thinking, you know, if I could get that guy on the phone, I just, I would just like to share with him what's going on here as, uh, as people are waiting so long to rent a car. And, and, but you know, I didn't have access to do that. There was no way I could do that because those people are just, they're, they're built in mechanisms to keep me separated from those people. But when it comes to God, God has made a way that we can pray. Do you see how important prayer is to God? That's the first lesson I learned. When I read this, that Jesus got up early in the morning to pray, that Jesus got up early in the morning to pray, it just impresses me with this truth. Prayer is important to God. Now, the second thing we learn from Jesus praying is that prayer is an end unto itself. Uh, Jesus, his praying was not because he needed wisdom. Uh, Jesus was not confused about something. Jesus didn't need guidance. Jesus didn't need power. For Jesus, praying was an end unto itself. Most often when I pray, it's because I need something. Uh, When I pray, the prayer is the means to an end, I pray because, Lord, I want something. And, and that's, that's valid. That's valid. That's a, that's a biblically presented model for prayer. But we also need to understand, and we see it clearly from the fact that Jesus prayed, is that prayer is a means, is the end unto itself. I should say. What what I'm saying is that that there's value in prayer just because prayer helps us to draw near to God. There's value in prayer just because prayer celebrates the fact that I can talk to God and I can hear from God and I can honor God with my prayer. It's not just so we can get something. It is just so we can be in his presence. Uh, If I am, if I went tomorrow and bought a dozen roses for my wife, And I came home and said, here, Donna, a dozen roses. I love you. And she would say, well, thank you. And I love you too. And we would hug and embrace. And then I'd say, now that you've got the roses, there are three things I need you to do. (laughs) Okay, now that just, no, no, I need to give roses not just as a means to an end, not just to trick her into doing something, but no, there should be value in me just showing my love, in just spending time with my wife. And when it comes to the Father, certainly we ought to pray for stuff, pray for wisdom, pray for divine intervention. But prayer also is an end unto itself. Psalm 145, 18 says, the Lord is near to all who call out to him. Jesus, when he prayed, was not praying to get something. He was just praying to be somewhere, to be with the Father. And prayer has value as an end unto itself. So simple point number three that we learn from Jesus' prayer here is that prayer is the vocation of every believer. Because we're to imitate Christ and Christ prayed, so we should pray. We should be characterized 
by the fact that we pray. It's interesting, if you read through the book of Acts, which describes the history of the first church, you'll see that oftentimes the word Christian and the verb pray or the the description that a person does pray are used interchangeably because to be a Christian is to pray, right? That, 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 that there's, some, that there's a connection there. That there's a way of saying that, that if you're a Christian, you pray. And one of the things that characterizes Christians is that they pray. Prayer is a part of being a Christian. I'll show it to you in one place. In Acts chapter 9, verse 11, uh, Ananias is uh, sent to go see Saul, uh, who we know today is Paul, the apostle Paul, but he's sent to go see Saul, but he doesn't know who Saul is, or he doesn't know how to recognize him. And, and so uh, God's going to describe him. He, he says, go up and go to the street called Straight, the Lord said to him, to the house of Judas and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, since he is praying. You, you want to know who Saul is? He's a Christian. How does the Bible say he's a Christian? He prays. <laughs> See, Christians ought to pray. We, that ought to just characterize who we are. We are prayers. A Christian prays. There are a lot of different kinds of prayer we should pray. We should be praying continual prayers. We should just have an attitude of prayer. As we go through our day, we ought to be mumbling to the Father. We ought to just be carrying on stream of consciousness, conversation. Lord, thank you for this and give me guidance here and lead me away from temptation here. Uh, Lord, I praise you for taking care of me here. We ought to have continual prayer, the attitude of prayer. We ought to have regular times of prayer, scheduled times where we, where we get alone with God and pray. We ought to have public prayer. The Bible uh, tells us that we ought to come together as a church and, and, and we ought to pray and we ought to lift our needs before the Lord. We ought to have group prayer. Uh, one of the things that ought to characterize Christians that definitely characterize Christians uh, in the early church is when they would get together, one of the things that they would almost always do is they would pray. One of the things that I miss most right now is, uh, we don't do it in the summer, but during the year, I, I would get together once a week with, uh, uh, with three other men in the church and we would just get together and we'd talk a little bit about the Bible and we would pray for one another. Chris, who led our worship, was uh, one of the men in my group this last time. And, and we'd just get together and pray. We ought to have group prayer time. I had uh, some friends over to, uh, to my house uh, about a week ago and it was, it was the end of the night and they were getting ready to leave and they said, hey, you know, before we leave, could we just pray? And I thought, well, you know, absolutely we can pray. We, we ought to be getting together. We ought to have group prayer. We ought to have what some people call rocket prayer prayer. You know, when there's just an emergency and, hey, Lord, pray. Well, I'm praying. I need help. Uh, I, um, I heard uh, the helicopter yesterday. Uh, you know, we don't hear a lot of helicopters in Nacogdoches, which is, uh, it, it, I, I was here a long time before I recognized, you know, I just never hear a helicopter. I guess where I lived before I heard a lot of helicopters. But you know, here in Nacogdoches, if you hear a helicopter, what does that mean? That means something bad has happened, right? I, I don't think there are ever helicopter sounds here that means something good. It's uh, and I live close to the hospital, so I guess I, I hear, you may not hear helicopters very often, but I don't know, once a week, I don't hear often, but, but when I hear a helicopter, I know it's bad news. And so yesterday I heard a helicopter, and so I know it's a medical helicopter, and it was either bringing somebody to the hospital who was super uh, sick, or it was taking somebody from one hospital to another. 
And I just prayed. You know, I didn't take 10 minutes. I didn't get on my knees. I don't even think I closed my eyes, but I, I just prayed. We, we ought to have these just rocket prayers. We ought to have daily devotional prayers. We ought to have focused prayer. And that's what I think we see here in Mark chapter 1. It's just a, a focus of prayer. Let, let me tell you how to focus on prayer very quickly. First of all, we need to have an unencumbered time. If you're going to have this kind of focused prayer, there's got to be some time when you don't have anything else to do. Now, I know you're thinking, but Pastor, you have no idea how busy I am. I always have something to do. Well, uh, before you wrap your brain around all the things you have to do, you ought to stop and pray. And I'll tell you, this is the, this is the best lesson I've learned in my prayer life. My, uh, my morning prayer times generally happen, at least in the weekdays, they happen here at the church. And I try to get here before anybody else and just to pull away to pray. Now, something I do every morning is I make a list of all the things I need to do that day. And I, I make a schedule and I try to put the things that I've got to do on a schedule and I, I, I write it out. I, I use a computer program to keep up with tasks, but I write down longhand everything I've got to do that day, put it on a schedule. And then I take a picture of it. I send it to a couple of people just as accountability and encouragement to others. Uh, but let me just tell you, once I make a list of everything I've got to do, I feel such pressure to run, run, run that it is hard for me to pray. I have learned that if I'm going to pray, I've got to pray before my mind gets to my task list. You know what I mean? Before I start rehearsing all the things I got to do, before I start answering phone calls or emails or text messages or Facebook messages or all the other ways uh, you good people reach out, uh, I've, got, I've got to spend time in prayer. Because there is a time in the morning where for, just for a little while, I don't feel like there's anything else I've got to do other than spend time with the Lord. And, and we need to have an unencumbered time. That's what Jesus did. He got away from the crowds and he prayed unencumbered. The second thing is, is we need to withdraw in order to draw. You know, the Bible says, draw near to the Lord, James 4, 8, and he will draw near to you. But, but in order to draw near to the Lord, we've got to withdraw from some things. We, we, we've got to, we got to pull away. That's why I think your prayer's best done uh, away from people. I think your, your prayer is best done without a cell phone in your pocket. Your, your prayer is best done away from the computer, away from the television, away from anything that, that would distract you. And everybody's life looks a little different and, 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 and how you pull that off will be different from person to person to person. But we need to find a way to pull away. Uh, I remember when I was a youth pastor, we'd do these youth retreats and and kids would make such great spiritual progress on these youth retreats. And it would frustrate me because why couldn't we have the same spiritual progress when we were just every day? You know, people would come to church on Wednesday nights. Well, it was because sometimes to draw near to God, you have to withdraw from the concerns of the world. And so we would take the kids to the beach or we'd take them to the mountains. And, and when we would help them withdraw from the world, then they were able to draw near to God. And we have to find a way to do that every, every day. Uh, I, I, think, um, I think there's some importance to having a prayer closet, to having some place that you can get, a regular place that you can get all alone and you can pray. And then the third way to, to do this uh, focused prayer is just to simply make prayer first priority. Uh, the Bible doesn't say you have to pray in the morning. You can pray in the evening. You can pray in the afternoon. Uh, our lives look different and how this will work out will be different. 
But let me just uh, encourage you to pray in the morning. Uh, Psalm 5.3 says, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I plead my case to you and watch expectantly. David prayed in the morning. He got up in the morning before his day started and said, oh, Lord, I need you. Uh, Psalm 88.13, but I call to you for help, Lord, in the morning. Uh, Psalm 143.8 says, let me experience your faithful love in the morning. Now, you can pray anytime. But I commend you, find some time in the morning and pull away and give it to the Lord. Now, the last thought I want to leave you with is this. Most believers know that if you don't ever pray when you need help in life, you're missing out on something. You understand that? If you don't pray as a Christian, don't avail yourself of the power of prayer, when you need help, then you're missing out on something. Most Christians know if you don't pray when you need wisdom and direction, you're missing out on something. Most Christians know if you don't pray when you need comfort and encouragement, you're missing out on something. But here's what most Christians don't know. If you only pray when you need something, when you need wisdom, or when you require comfort, you're missing out on something. Does that make sense? If you don't pray when you need something, you're missing out. But if you only pray when you need something, you're missing out on a closeness with the Father that can only be known in prayer. Your head bowed and eyes closed. Father, thank you that we can come before you because of what Christ has done for us. That we don't come on our own merit, but on the merits of Christ. That's how we can be saved. That's why we can pray. And make us people who are characterized by prayer. Not just because we need something, but because we want to be close to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.